This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the TFL Talkin' Cars podcast, and today I have the man, the myth, the legend himself. That's right, Roman Micah here. <laughs> wow, you look great for, for Roman. Oh, now you went there, thank you, I appreciate that. Hi guys, it's Nathan, it's good to see you. Thank you, Tommy, for being so sweet, I appreciate that. And happy days for everyone because we have a lot to cover. We have a lot to cover. Today is Auto Show Day. We've got a whole ton of new reveals, and we're going to talk about the reveals you need to care about and the ones you don't. We also have some viewer questions. We're talking about a bright green Tacoma and maybe even a little bit of the Easter Jeep Safari. It's a lot to cover. It's a lot to cover. But let's go ahead and start out with the question because we are opening up the podcast to questions from the staff. Actually, from the audience, I should say. I was going to say from the staff. They don't need to know anything. Quite literally the opposite <laughs> of the staff. That's right. All right. Uh, but if you want to send us a question, uh, send us an email, info at tflcar.com, and we will read and answer your question on TFL Talking Cars podcast. Or maybe I can convince Andre to, to talk about the TFL Talking Trucks. I don't know. I'll give him like a Ditka or something. Yeah, he, he'll be fine. What does he eat? Um, <laughs> anything. Something like that. But this question comes from Jason from Long Island, New York. All right, Jason, what's up? Jason asks, I am looking to buy a Suzuki Samurai. Yes. But I have a wife who is not so into the idea. Boy, that sounds familiar. Okay. How, Nathan, did you convince your wife to let you own a samurai. That's actually an excellent question because it's something that I've been dealing with pretty much since I've been at TFL. Um, I've had a lot of project vehicles leading up to well before uh, I met Roman. So going back to when I was dating my wife, so let's say 20 years ago. Now, did she know about the project vehicles when she started dating you, or was this like a no. point of contention? Okay. No, she, she really didn't understand it until one day. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so moving forward with that whole relationship thing and trying to figure out a way to make it work with a spouse, I found that uh, a great compromise is a time limit and a money limit. A time limit and a money limit for yes. the wife or for the car? Well, it kind of works both ways. So, <laughs> no, so what I did, uh, just specifically with the Samurai, but I've done this with other vehicles before. Um, I said, okay, one year with the Samurai so I can play with it and upgrade it, make it better and have some fun. And I will invest less than X amount of dollars. I think I said I was giving myself a $2,000 budget on the Samurai and I spent like $3,500. Okay. Which she forgave because I was exactly within the timeline that I got rid of the vehicle. If you recall, Tommy, I had the I had the Samurai for a year. I bought it off TFL, and I built it up, kind of made it a little bit more off-roady, a little bit more off-road capable, and uh, had some fun, and then I sold it off, and I did it exactly in a year. So timeline and a budget. Right. I didn't stick to one, but huh. I stuck to the other, and she forgave me. Also, very important, everything leaks. Make sure you have pans, because when you destroy a driveway with a leaky vehicle, it'll be a constant reminder of what you did in the past with the vehicle. As such, you if you have no stain there, it's like, oh, honey, look, it didn't even leave a stain behind, because almost every project vehicle I've had, and Tommy, you've seen a few of them, yes, um, have left dreadful stains on the street, on flower beds, on the grass, on... On um, flower yeah, beds. On yeah, yeah, really bad on the flower beds. That was a bad thing. Um, <laughs> and in the driveway, in the garage, laundry room once, uh, uh, shower. Yeah, I I tried to shower a part once. So I, believe it or not, mm -hmm. do not have a wife. 
And if, if I don't get out of the house, it'll never happen. Don't know that. You know what? Just keep it that way for a while. Enjoy your life. Have some fun. <laughs> Have fun now. Now, this right. whole this whole timeline and a budget thing, does this mm. apply to everything in your life? It, you know, it's a surprising thing because, I mean, uh, God, I'm not trying to give you guys marriage advice on TFL Talk. But I am. I think it, this it, is very useful advice. Better okay. than anything else we talk about. Okay, well, great. Then um, it really is compromised. And you guys may hear me bowing off into happy wife, happy life mentality. Okay. But it works, and it's uh, we've had 21 really good years. Knock on wood. And one of the things I found is that if you if you have five or six different plans, I want to do five or six. Th- you know, I want these different types of cars: a motorcycle, gun collection, whatever. You know, all the things that guys you know want to do. Very difficult to convince them, right? It, especially if they are. You know, my wife is extremely well educated and actually works in education. And da 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 da. And I'm exactly the opposite of her in that way. So she, I'm kind of the outcast. And I say to her something like, I want to maybe work on one vehicle. Okay. Okay, maybe we can make a compromise. What's the compromise? Well, I really want a new deck. Ugh, all right, I'll build you a new deck. And then I get the new vehicle. And by the way, there's a bonus, <laughs> Tommy. Because dudes, guys who do this, and gals, they can get tools out of it. And you can kind of like, oh, okay, this extra socket wrench, I could really use it on the deck. Wink, wink, you're really going to be using it on something. You know. You're like, well, the deck, that, that, that deck would look better suspended by a set of king shocks. Now you're starting to think Now right. we're thinking now about you're it. Thinking of, you, you, and if you think ahead, you play chess, you think ahead two or three moves, you can actually help your project <laughs> in the future. I swear this is what I did with the Suzuki. Really? Because your dad and I talked about me buying the Suzuki for like four or five months, right? Yes, I remember. And during that time, I was boning up for it. So I had cleaned out a certain portion of the garage. I was like, honey, I know you need the laundry room fixed, so I'm going to fix up that laundry room for you. Oh, honey, you're so sweet. Well, guess what I did? I bought the tools I needed to work on the Suzuki while I was doing that. Very interesting. Now, I'm glad she doesn't listen to these podcasts. And for those of you who know my wife, please don't contact her because I'll be your best friend. So what is what is the biggest sacrifice you had to make for a project vehicle? Has it ha- been a deck? Been, Has it been a... No, that deck wasn't too hard. Um, the hardest thing is, is getting rid of it, is saying no after a while. Because I really do want to hold on to So you have to, to stick project. to the timeline. If oh. you don't stick to the timeline, you won't be able to do another project. Oh, that's that's the compromise you have to make. What is, is this like a moving? So say um, so so say like I assume your wife was repulsed by the samurai. Uh, she just thought it was remarkably she's a very dangerous. Elegant, refined person. She is indeed. And you show up in a tin can on four wheels that's going to fall over at a gentle fart. Yeah. Um, so probably not a big fan of the samurai. If you had shown up with something a little bit more to her liking, <laughs> like say a forerunner. Could you extend that timeline and that budget? Is it on a moving scale? You know, I made a huge mistake about uh, 15 years ago. Roughly 15, yeah, about 16 years ago, I had a 1990 GMC Jimmy. It was one of my project vehicles, and I adored it. Okay, you really like vehicles that tend to fall over, don't you? Yeah, this one, uh, yeah. Anyway, so it had, <laughs> it, 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 among other things, it had, you know, 350, and it also had a Saginaw four-speed transmission. For those of you out there who have rode through the gears, and I love manual transmissions, but the throw on this one and engaging is very hard. Okay. And I had my wife drive it. Oh, okay. It didn't go well. So is that part of the key, too? you you got to keep the wife separate from the project vehicle. Yes, but the problem is, is that... Then you have to, if you do that, they figure it out. Why are you not oh. letting me drive it? Oh, no, honey, I want you to drive it. I want you to have fun. I want you to enjoy this vehicle. I want you to take it off-road, which, of course, never happens. Or worse, I want you to take it in Denver snow, a vehicle that is so unbalanced in the snow. But I want you to try this and try to engage it into going from the granny gear into second gear, which uh, it's a long story in terms of a Saginaw. But for those of you who know, actually, we had it in our green, uh, that big Chevy that we had. Well, that's that was, right. Yeah, yeah. You basically had to jog to get to second gear. Exactly. It was like in a different zip code. It really yes. was. You actually removed your leg in order to get it in there. So anyway, um, yes. So. So long story short, and I know we're going on and on about the whole marriage thing, which I'm curious, Tommy, to why you have so many questions. I do have a lot of questions. Yes, Yes. you do about marriage. And so that's something we're going to cover in another. Your dad's going to be interested (laughs) to hear this. Hey, Tommy asked me tons of questions about marriage, Roman. What's going on? Um, So anyway, but uh, no, the the, the whole thing is, is that she had a bad experience. And then I had a a Range Rover. You you actually were in my Land Rover. Sorry. Uh, I love that thing. Yeah, I did too. She didn't. Um, that, that leaked everywhere, typical. Um, and then I had an Isuzu, and that was a project, and that had problems, it exploded. And so the, she didn't like that. And I was bringing home things, and I would fix them and get them to run pretty good. Right. 
but it was the cost of time and, of course, her property. And then finally, she just felt that some of these things looked bad. She really didn't like the, the way the Suzuki looked aesthetically Why? in our driveway. It looked fantastic. No, no, it made no. you look like outdoorsy. Like slap on a <clears throat> Patagonia sweatshirt in that thing, leave it in the passenger seat. But what was the aesthetic that she didn't like? Was it the I rust? I think it's uh, one of our neighbors had like a BMW i3 and also a uh, 5 Series in their driveway. <laughs> you had a beige <laughs> Suzuki soft top. Sand colored. With no rocker panels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's stuff like that that she kind of, it kind of irritated her a little bit. It's And, you know, one of the things that I really would like to do, we're, we're actually moving eventually to some, some other house. And I would love to have a disconnected garage where I can actually hide my projects oh. somewhere else. She agrees. She agrees to this, but I don't know if we're going to find it. Anyway, um, but, but, you know, it is a lot of compromise. It, it is a, and you, you want to buy your Suzuki. You want your wife and or girlfriend to be interested in it. Try to involve her in the process and then make her promises and actually stick to those promises. Because I have a feeling once you drive that thing on anything other than absolutely perfect asphalt, you're going to have your kidneys dislocated as you bounce around because it has a horrible suspension for daily driving. And your spouse and or girlfriend or whoever may not like it. So you have to make promises. You have to go, you know, hey, you know, give me a year and I'll make it better. Or give me a year and I'll get rid of it. Or give me a year and, you know, I promise you that if it hasn't rolled over and turned into a flaming, you know, pit of hell, I, I will make it into a perfect vehicle. So what happened to that Suzuki? So so the I year saw, came. Yep. A, a year came. I, I beefed it up. I really did enjoy what I did with it. because yeah, it, it, cool. it, it handled even better off-road. It was a ton of fun. Still really hard to drive uh, in Colorado because we just, the air density here destroys what little performance it has. Anyway, um, and I wanted to put the 1.6 in there, by the way. I really did. Right. I, th I thought that would be awesome. Anyway, never got around to it. But I did make it run better. Uh Retuned it, suspension, you name it, redid it. And I was happy with what I did. And I thought, okay, whoever gets it from here, they're going to have a great vehicle. And so I sold it to a guy in California, made a tiny bit of profit from my purchase price. But considering how much money I put into it, I lost a couple grand. Hmm. And But I'm really happy that it went to somebody else who I'm hoping is really enjoying that vehicle. By the way, the rockers that I had put on, the, the uh, yeah. sliders. Yeah, those, those replacements. Yeah. Uh, I had to put them on because it was all rusted under there. And it was cool because I put them on. It was great. But there was so much rust, I couldn't bolt them in. It just wouldn't <laughs> grip. So I had to get a guy to come to my place and weld the hell out of it. And he basically made it a, a absolutely integral member of the vehicle. So they will never be removed. So what you're saying is the solution to rocky, rusty rocker panels is, is just to add more stuff to the side of it. Add more steel. <laughs> add more steel. And, and then... If, my, my welds are not great, That's so funny. I hired someone who could really weld well, and he did a, he did a very good job. So uh, there you go. That was a long well, explanation. But. It's an interesting – so the reason I'm asking is yeah. because I'm 24 and 25, and I yeah. have friends that are starting to get married, and I've got this buddy that has an MGB. Oh, yeah. I love and, MGBs. And an MG Midget, mm. and I swear that's the name of the car. Yeah, Look it I up. MG Midget. Yeah. Uh, they, there, was a M, there was a MG Midget in the, the Austin Healy Sprite, mm -hmm. and they're called Spridget Communities. Anyways, so he uh, got this girlfriend, and then they started becoming pretty serious. And mm -hmm. at first, she was really into the car. Sure, because it's convertible and blah, blah, blah. Totally. But I think it turned out to be a facade yeah. because now as things are getting more serious – it's looking like either the bee or the midget's going to have to go, mm -hmm. right? Because they're like, oh, it's time to buy a house and then the dog. And then, yeah. like, eventually there might be a kid down the road. And she's not hot on keeping both of them. But he's confused because she was really into him at the start of the relationship. Yeah, well, um, things change. And that's, that's, how, that's the nature of the beast. Every single guy I know, every single person I know, and I'm saying guy, but, you know, in, in two cases it's also gal. Yeah. Um, who have had fun vehicles lose the fun vehicles when they get married because you lose a lot of fun when you get married, but you gain... Um, <laughs> you gain... Uh, you a gain, new deck? You get a new deck you out get of a it? New, she gets a new deck. Um, you get, eventually get kids. Something. Oh, you're really selling it, Nathan. Uh, no, I'm selling it real well. Uh, but honestly... Um, it's a good thing that nine people listen to this podcast. <laughs> no, seriously. The bottom line is that um, you, if you fall in love with somebody, and, and this this is, was true with me, you do accept that you have to make these major changes, which is why I got I got married late. I got married when I was 30. Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, that, geez, that's a lot of pressure on me now. I yeah, better, you get to wait. Better get, I better get 
get got six search years. in here. Yeah. Six years. Yeah. Look, look, I had lots of time to do really, really stupid things and to have a really good time, and then I got married. Okay. That that was a very educational segment. I feel wow. like I've learned a lot. I, I, have I a honestly lot of did questions. not know you were going to come at me with that. No, it was it's good. I mean, I hope that Jason's been able to figure this out. Jason, there you go. You got a lot out of me on that one. Seriously, if you want more information on the Suzuki itself, though, write us directly and I will respond. Yeah, for sure. And if you have any other questions related to anything automotive, marriage related. Mm, um, marriage. Um, Don't come to me about marriage, please. I'm all not, of it. I'm really... Go to, Andre. Go to Andre. Go, Go to Andre. Andre. Andre is great with marriage advice. You know, the thing about uh, that I have figured <laughs> out based over the years, though, is it seems like um, the less rust involved um, mm. typically t- tends to keep significant others happy. Yeah, you know what? You're right. And oil. Less oil and it, rust. It, yeah. if, if, you're, if fluids are not coming out and if, <laughs> if, if rust is not there, rust is an immediate turnoff. They, they see that and they're just like, okay, there's structural integrity issues. Yeah. They can figure that out really quickly. That's which a shame. Believe, oh, believe me. My wife figured that out when she looked at the Suzuki. She asked me. That wasn't even that rusty when you looked at it, though, from a distance. Yeah, one of the first things I did is I pulled off one of those side panels, and it was bad. You know that little plastic <laughs> well, piece on the bottom? Why did you do it in front of her? I didn't do it in front of her. I just started working on She's it. She's like, out the window, like, let's let's look at the rocker <laughs> panels no, on no. the Samurai. It's one of those things. Uh, I have a whole routine when I work on a vehicle, and it's just like, <laughs> I'm sitting there. I got my music playing. You know, I might have something to drink, a cigar. And then all of a sudden, I can hear down the steps behind me. <laughs> She's coming, and she has a specific <laughs> walk. And it's just like, oh, crap, all this rust is on the ground. What am I going to do? And sure enough, she goes, is that rust? And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's dirt. It's dirt. Wow, a lot of dirt. It's just red-colored dirt. <laughs> nope, she saw it. She figured it out. And that was right. It's like, okay, I'm going to weld this thing on, honey. It'll be fine. And uh, she just never. And, wow. Yeah, she really. You're absolutely right about the rust part, though. That's very true. So R- Rust and what was the other? Leaky fluids? Leaky fluids, smoke too. So basically, anything that <laughs> indicates the vehicle may have an issue. <laughs> so the same thing that can go wrong with you as a person, wrong as a vehicle. That yeah, it's, it's that's just avoid it. Yeah, I would say it works both ways. Um, ever since I was in school, I learned that having vehicles that blow smoke is bad. Having humans that blow smoke is bad. So that works pretty well <laughs> both ways. Wow. All right. Well, wow, I didn't know we were going to go there. Fantastic, guys. This is awesome. So <laughs> any marriage questions, reach out to us. Info at TFL Car. We'll send them to please, Nathan. Please don't. And we will talk about them on the next Talking Cars podcast. Uh, all right. Far out. So we should probably move on because there's a ton of information to cover. Do you want to go to New York Auto Show first? Do you want to go to Moab, Utah? I want to go to Moab, Utah. Now, if you are a fan of the podcast, and I know there's at least one of you out there, uh-huh. possibly even two. There may be three. We'll go two. That's pushing it. We'll go with two. But we were out in Moab, Utah, and last week my dad and I talked about some of the crazy concepts we saw out there. We got to drive. It was mm. for the Easter Jeep Safari. Yep. But we had an interesting conversation, and I'm curious to see your conver- your input on it. Okay, please. In the world of off-roading, mm-hmm. Moab is kind of the mecca, and this one week we get 20,000 Jeepers and Forerunners and whatever all yep. condensing in this one place. Um, what are some of the good and the bad off-road trends you've seen in terms of modifications, colors, wheels, tires, whatever, out in Moab, Utah? That's a really good question. That's That one I'm much more prepared for. Um, one thing I like seeing, and at first I didn't, is the combination of different people that are off-roaders. Hmm. I'm not talking just Jeep. Okay. And even though it's called Easter Jeep Safari, now this whole thing started in 1967, right? And it was a day trail run. Moab City Commerce came up with this idea just to bring in a few extra people there. Okay. My, my dad and some of his buddies were some of the first who were there early on. We're talking in the 70s. I went there in the late 70s as a little kid. So seeing it grow from that, and the fact is, is that even back then there were some old internationals beating around and kind of smoking over the hills. <laughs> and I that, love... That's factual, yeah. <laughs> that works on so many ones. Um, I love seeing so many different um, versions of off-roaders. Everything from side-by-sides, motorcycles, Isuzus. There was that Isuzu Vehicross Club. I think they showed up this year. I know they showed up a couple years ago. Right. And I love seeing those guys there. And I just, I, I, I love it. I love seeing just all these different enthusiasts getting there and being part of this huge industry, but more importantly, this huge family of people who appreciate off-roading. So that's the positive. Okay. Here's the negative. There are an awful lot of idiots out there. Idiots. Idiots. People who do not stay the trail. Yes. They do not deserve to make it out of Moab alive. (laughs) 
<laughs> they need to sit there or at least be on a chain gang fixing whatever they destroy because every time one of those morons goes out there and destroys something, I know people make mistakes and sometimes they'll fly off a trail and just not, you know, by accident. I yes. get that. But I'm talking about people who just don't care. Yeah. And there are a lot. And when they go out and they make that mistake, the Bureau of Land Management comes out and basically shuts down a trail or shut down an event. Yes. And it absolutely screws it for everybody else. So that's one thing I really hate. The other thing that I'm actually kind of bothering me are people are going, you know, it's like 37s and 40s and even bigger on some vehicles and they're busting axles and stuff on the trail and they're not knowing why because they're just adding really huge bro-style wheel tire combinations, which just do not work sometimes. Interesting. Now, we did see a Honda Accord on 40-inch tall tires. <laughs> we, we did. Um, so that Honda Accord uh, yes. had to be dragged off the trail. So it was one of the uh, – somewhere out there, I know there's lots of video of this right here. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there is. So this guy took this Honda Accord, beefed up the suspension, cut out wheel wells, and shoved on huge tires on there. And basically to go out and prove that, um, hey, my front-wheel drive car can go wherever a four-wheel drive car can, which, which is not necessarily the truth. There was also some Subarus who were doing that, some other vehicles. Crown Vicks, yeah, yes, there are a few Crown, Crown Vicks and 35s. Right, and I, I love seeing that. Once again, I just love the diversity and the fact that people are trying that. However, if you're on a trail and you're doing it with one of these vehicles that may or may not make it, then you're going to screw up that trail for other people who are doing it. And that dude in that mm-hmm. Honda, and you could tell, you were with me, Tommy, when we talked to that park ranger, he was displeased when he said <laughs> Not that happy. had to be dragged off the trail. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm I, all about, like, wheel what you have. Yeah. I agree. And I think that this kind of this whole gambler mentality is certainly pretty fun. Yeah. But if you're going to do it, like, you have to bring an actual support vehicle yes. that can get you out of a bad situation. Because it's so true. Like, it is it is an amazing feeling when you're, like, in a, I don't know, a Ponda Civic and you go up something that someone on 35s. Um, or an electric like, Mini Cooper. Yeah, or an electric Mini Cooper. I'm thinking that's your next thing. I actually, we did a video. We had a 1978 Subaru DL, this little blue wagon. <laughs> that was awesome. And we took it off-road up fins and things, which is, you know, fairly challenging trail, yeah, especially yeah, yeah. for a car. Uh, and it just rocked it. And, like, we'd pass things eyes on Jeep XJs on 35s. So this one guy was like, what? And I, had, I mean, that was a cool feeling. But we always had support because that was actually a very capable car, and it wasn't in any risk of getting stuck. But when you start looking at, like, the rear-wheel drive, the front-wheel drive stuff, if you are going to get stuck, the right thing to do is have someone that can get you unstuck. Well, that's exactly it. And a lot of these guys don't bother even thinking that way. And that is part of what really ticks me off about people who I call idiots. Idiots. I'm not not trying to, I'm not going to soften it up. Because think about how you ruin the trail for everybody else. Yes. You know, it's, if you're stuck on there because you didn't bring back up. Now look, if you brought a four, a regular four by four or a Wrangler, whatever, you're going up and over a hill, your car breaks or your vehicle breaks down and you screw up the trail. Okay. That happens. But at least you went in a properly prepared vehicle and whatnot. I get it. That happens. But if you took something that really wasn't meant for it, and you then, oh, it blew up. I never thought it was going to happen. Right. In an accord? And then there's an oil pan that leaked all over exactly. the trail. Yeah, now you the, get where I'm going. Yeah. Exactly. I so. agree. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a two-sided thing. And then what's going to end up happening is the BLM is not going to shut down the trail, but then they will have like, oh, you have to have four-wheel drive. And then, oh, you have to have a low range. And then it'll get to the point where they'll be like, oh, you have to have big tires and lockers. And then you can't go out on the trail, which you normally could do in like a Ranger and because some guy in a fiesta went ahead and took out it, it ju- and it just it's a such sacred a shame. plant yeah right right you know maybe work your way up to go into fence and things or something like that or baby lines back and and try some you know fun rally style driving that would be perfect for a Honda Accord or something now I noticed another trend ah. and this one is actually kind of surprising so Easter Jeep Safari brings in uh, like you said not only Jeepers but primarily Jeepers from all around the country even the world even the world right that's right. And people, um, well, I, I should I usually say driving. Um, and in the past, whenever I saw someone towing a Reagan, it mm-hmm. would be something ridiculous. Like it would be um, a, a Wrangler YJ on 50-inch tall tires. Right, right, right. right something right. that couldn't be driven on the road. Basically something built specifically for hardcore off-roading. Totally. Yeah, like right. a rock buggy. Or maybe it's some dude with like a CJ2A from 1948 that like is Won't coming go, from I- Iowa. Right. And it will go 40 miles per hour if you're lucky. And right. Damn straight. But I recently, and I paid a lot of attention on this on my miserable drive home, I've seen a lot of folks trailering in vehicles that um, should be pretty roadworthy. So, Mm -hmm. like, you'll see folks in a uh, GMC Sierra 
dually in a lot of cases with a diesel, mm-hmm. towing in like a JK uh, Wrangler, like a 10-year-old Wrangler on 35s or 37s. I've seen a ton of that. Well, so they can save money on gas. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Because <laughs> towing, even with a diesel. <laughs> but it's interesting. I think people's propensity for mm. being comfortable or uncomfortable, I should say, has really decreased recently. Mm. Like a, third, a, a Wrangler on 37s from 2012. Mm. Sure, it's going to be slow. Ish, it's still going to do 65, 70 for the most part, 75, 80 in some cases. Um, it's just not going to be as comfortable as that Sierra Denali. So I've been seeing a lot of folks towing in what I would consider very roadworthy Jeeps on the back of car haulers and big pickups. And, and right you are, Tommy, but at the same time, I know where this is coming from. Oh, I okay. Know, I, uh-huh. Tommy and I, uh, Tommy worse than I, had to suffer from an extraordinarily long drive back from Moab <laughs> to to, De- to to well to Boulder and to Denver. Yes. Um, so what happened was there were major issues, uh, accidents leading on I-70 going east from Moab all the way back home. And I think it took you nine hours. It took me eight hours. I think. Yeah, it, it took me thirteen hours. It was well, well, well thirteen. Because I'm talking about the. Door to door. Yeah, yeah it was horrible. Oh it's a six-hour drive, and yeah. we got a little bit of snow. It was probably two or three inches. It wasn't much. It was just enough to catch the entire state of Colorado off guard. <laughs> um, and, and, and Utah, too. And Utah. Yeah, part of it. And, yes, and uh, a, a number of Californians in front-wheel drive centros, <laughs> may I add? Yes. Um, but, yes, it, it was not a good so, situation. And how comfortable were you driving your Jeep for 13 hours? I mean, <laughs> that's a fair point. Okay, so this translates back to, and this is my point. So I was driving the Tacoma, the green Tacoma. Right. How comfortable you were in a Tacoma? I really got uncomfortable. Yes. So the seats are better than they used to be in the Tacoma, uh, which is something that's always been an issue with me because the seating position in a Tacoma is kind of like a half sports car mixed in with being at Helga's House of Pain. Um, So you yeah, you really don't, not not that I would know that for sure. But anyway, the point is, is that um, the uh, bottom of my thighs were really starting, like the muscles were like like in atrophy. So I fired up the heater, which works well, but it didn't, it just covered part of my butt, didn't cover any of my legs. And I'm like, oh, I'm really hurting, sitting in this traffic for hours. And I was like over three hours in Glenwood Springs, just sitting in one spot. I could not move, also couldn't go to the bathroom, which sucked. But honestly, that was enough time. As much as I love that Tacoma, and I do, I absolutely adore that Tacoma. But I can tell you that if I had to pick it between certain other uh, mid-sized pickup trucks, it still wouldn't be on the list because I'm just not comfortable, even with the new seating uh, setup that they have. Really? After all that time, oh man, my butt and my legs were done. So Mm. that... That was an issue. I'm really hoping the next-gen Tacoma, they fix that because it's such a great truck otherwise. Now, I was left with an ethical dilemma. Okay, please. And maybe you face the same situation. Now, you did get a little little lucky over Veil Pass. M- more so than you. I got stuck there for about two hours while a truck jackknifed across the road. Not really a problem. No one was injured. But the issue is in that two hours I was sitting there on wet pavement, it got really cold, and that wet pavement became ice. And then 75 trucks in front of me all had to chain up at the same time <laughs> when the traffic started to move. I know. It's nice. Not a great situation. No. Uh, but um, my ethical dilemma is mm. you are stuck in traffic for two hours on an interstate, but traffic is stopped in both directions. No traffic coming to you, no traffic coming through. Plenty of time to get out and walk around because everything is completely stopped. Let's say you really have to go pee, mm-hmm. which is an often, you know, situation. You have yourself an empty bottle, bottle, but questionable aim. Oh. Or you've got a countryside next to you, which you could hop over a little barrier and go there. But bottle. bottle. Really? I'm not even, yeah, I won't even. All right. Why the bottle? Why not hop over the little barrier and use the, the, the I side? I don't want to go into a long story about it, but I had a bad experience. <laughs> okay. Can you give me a, a medium length story about it? So coming in from, uh, when you come in from Las Vegas, go, heading towards um, uh, Denver, and you're trans, you're going from the 15 and then eventually the I-70. Mm-hmm. There's a spot where you're going through this really uh, curvy section in Arizona, and uh, I d- desperately had to go. It was one of those things where I can't quite go into details, but just suffice to say that I, I really had moments. <laughs> I had moments. Was this going to Vegas or coming from Vegas? Coming from Vegas. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, in so many ways. Um, so I get off the side, <laughs> I get off the side of the road. My wife's in the car. First of all, I can't have her watching me. I'm sorry. I know. I'm a big wimp. Can't have her watching me taking care of business on the side of the road. So I try to go as close to the mountain as possible. Gusting wind everywhere. <laughs> 
It's a horrible situation. <laughs> Finally, I, my body is relaxed enough. I'm taking care of business. And then I hear, boo, siren. The police officer pulls up. No. Yes. The fine for that type of thing on the side of the road, I believe, was $500. Wow. Wow. I didn't even know that was against the law. I guess it kind of makes sense. My wife leans out of the car and says, Officer, he was so desperate, we just didn't know where our next rest stop was. (laughs) At the time, the car sale had a California plate on it. And we were either going to win or lose on my wife being very sweet, articulate, and just like, hey, I'm sorry. He was exploding. Were you mid-urination at this point when the cop showed up? I was in the middle of it. Oh, God. So so, so putting a stop on everything was pretty dreadful. And um, (laughs) he never approached me. Probably because I was half covered in my own year because of the wind. (laughs) He he gives my wife a warning, gives her a a, a slick little salute. I I saw him tip his hat, and he gets out of there. And I finally (laughs) try to clean up and come over. And she said, don't you ever do that again. We have a bottle. Make a use of it. And so in my head, now by the way, there there is something, real quick. Um, if you think for some reason you're ever going to have to do this, Gatorade bottles are really good to use because the mouth is big as such, easier to aim and get everything in. Um, and ever since then, I have made practice, and I do often use a bottle, often being, I've probably done it in the past three times in the past 20 years. <laughs> so, so, but, but seriously, it, it's, it, it, it is a crime in some places to do that. And, you know, as desperate as you are, think about it. You, and if you also, if the wind comes and you well, get it all over you. sounds like the solution is if you're going to pee in front of a cop, pee all over yourself. So, so you they won't come near you? the cop to go somewhere else. Yeah, something tells me that's not going to work. Now, but, now, okay, so I understand the not wanting to pee in front of a significant other. Right. Isn't it worse doing it right next to them in a bottle? Isn't that a oh, much no, no, more a, oh, stressful no, 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 situation? No, 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 no. You, 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 you misunderstand me. I'm not going to do it in front of my spouse <laughs> or a friend or anybody else. What I will do is have them, you know, hey, I'm going to go out to the back of the seat of the car, or the back of the car, or the rear of the car, being away from their eyesight and then taking care of business. Hmm. Look, I've shared a business. Bedroom or bedroom, a bathroom with this woman for 25 years, right. you know, dating and you know what, and I still cannot leave the door open, taking care of my business. So the point is, is that in a particular case, she stays in the passenger seat. I get up, I go over to the back seat of the vehicle, and turn the radio on loud, <laughs> and take care of my business. In a Gatorade bottle. In a Gatorade bottle uh, and other competing ones. Where Gatorade does not sponsor TFL car. Right. Um, they should now, though. This is a great <laughs> opportunity. But but it really works. It's it's better when you have a big mouth on a bottle. There's other. Well, I don't know about you. There. I don't think that's that big of a mouth. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We're going there. Tommy, your dad. This is what happens when Tommy's dad's not in oh, town. Oh, jeez. He's off the hook. Oh, what an absolute can we, mess. Can we actually install a fire pole now? And now that he's not around and you're being wild, I've what always a, wanted one. What an absolute mess. Okay, so the, it's a mess in so many ways. So the answer, <laughs> the, the dilemma is a bottle. Why did you get out and run? No, and, but I really thought about it. Because, I mean, I, then you've got the question of volume. Is is there enough volume in the bottle you were That looking? is a scary thing. Yes. And it always feels like more than what the bottle will hold, by the way. The way, I've learned that too. Um, yeah, what do you? The heck! I was just playing this situation in my head, and I, I got the heritage tan cloth seats in the Jeep, and I just like if if the volume of yourself is bigger than the volume of the bottle, I mean, what a what a what a sticky situation! Wow, boy, I'm glad we're going there too. This is a hell of a conversation. Anyway, so, yeah, if you but, have any input in this, you can send us an email info at tflcar. They, they do have <laughs> the bags. I have tried the bags before. Yeah, um, I heard there's something called a shiwi. Yeah, there's that too for for the other person. Yep. But um, the bags work perfectly good and actually can hold quite a bit, uh, provided all of everything that we're referring to is number one. Uh, number two, you are on your own. Yeah, no okay, solutions bro. there. Yep. Uh, other than a big fat diaper, um, <laughs> which I haven't tried yet, but I will for money. Uh, <laughs> all right, I think oh, we've, well, I think we put. And a, speaking of dump diapers oh, for money, if God, you're interested in supporting the podcast, check out our Patreon. 
Diego Carr on Patreon. Yeah. We'd love to see that video happen one day in the future. Um, so consider helping us out there. Oh, boy. That is, yeah, okay. I just wow. put that out there, didn't I? Completely okay. off the rails. Yes, we did. So maybe we should uh, go to New York. What do you think? Is it time to talk about the New York Auto Show? I think it is. So Andre and Case. Nope. nope. That's a total Alex. lie. Andre and Alex have been out busting their um, butts at the New York Auto Show bringing you the latest and the greatest vehicles. And we have a comprehensive selection of some of the coolest and some of the less cool vehicles. And what are we going to start with? Well, I wanted to mention, first of all, that I think that Alex took Andre to one of his underground boxing uh, things that he does in the East Coast. So, yeah, did you hear from Andre? How's he No, hopeful? that's the thing. I haven't, oh, that's geez. why I haven't heard. So I'm not sure whether or not Andre made it out of there in one piece. So... Uh, Alex, if there's anything left of Andre, please scoop him up and bring him back to Colorado. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, okay, so let's talk about the vehicles that are there. Now, there were a bunch of debuts. Some of them are less impressive than others. Some of them are simply styling upgrades. But there were some interesting vehicles, and I wanted to start with what I think is one of the bigger ones there, which is surprising because initially when I heard about it, I thought, wah, wah. And that is the Nissan Pathfinder Rock Creek. Oh. which is a 2023 Nissan Pathfinder with the Rock Creek trim. Everybody's what? tuning out at the same no, time. No, no, not. All because three people are listening. gone. Keep listening. Oh, wow. Because it's better than the Rock Creek from 2019, which was essentially a paint job and some badges. No, 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 no. This is actually something that was built a little bit more for off-roading. That's including, now, what's the most important thing, Tommy, when you want to go at least a little bit off-road? A large bottle. I mean, um, a, uh, a good set of tires. Yes, thank you. Okay, smart Alex. So, <laughs> tires definitely are the way to go. And we've been telling automakers for years, if you want to make these crossovers better for off-road, first thing you want to do is imp improve the tires. You guys have been saying it, watching and listening to you know what we do. Well, indeed, Nissan has finally listened because they have a set of mud terrain Toyo Open Countries, which are set on, unfortunately, fake 18-inch <laughs> beadlock wheels, but at least the tires are real. And they have a 5-inch lift with an off-road-oriented tuned suspension. This is much better than just simply slapping badges on something and maybe putting a roof rack on it, which, by the way, they put the roof rack on it. We'll cover that in a second. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but... This vehicle is substantial from what it was. And the best part is, we had an opportunity, Tommy and Roman specifically, they took the Nissan Pathfinder over to, I think, Nathan's Crack and Andre's pit. Oh, yeah. Now, these, back then, this is before we had obstacles added to these sections, but nonetheless, it was still challenging for a crossover. The Nissan did it, but the biggest issue was traction. Very bad tires. Terrible tires for off-roading. Yep. So this, in itself, just the tires great start and then it has a tiny lift and a beefier off-road suspension fantastic i'm thrilled that they did it and i think it looks cool it's it, a really good look it does look very cool except for one thing okay why does every off-road trim of every vehicle have to be launched now in hearing aid beige can you can you enlighten me on this subject? God, why is it the youth of America hates beige? Um, well, okay, I mean, it I... It looks like sand. It has a military look to it. It does. Yes. That's the point. Well, you wouldn't get a brown toaster because it looks like toast. Oh, you're going into toasters. Don't get me started on Tommy <laughs> and toasters. Um, no, okay, so look, it's not the only color, but there there is a small palette of new colors available specifically with the Rock Creek that's including a unique interior design as well. Um, this is partially our fault. I mean, we have been big proponents for these flat, opaque-ish. I the love them. Color. Yeah. The flat, uh, there's a word for it, pastel-y colors. Yes. Um, but on a Pathfinder? But on a Pathfinder with really beefy-looking rubber. Yeah. And, and by the way, that roof rack, which is a cool tubular roof rack. It does look great. And it can yeah. hold up to 220 pounds, which is more than adequate for most rooftop tents. And that was the whole purpose of it. So th they, they did this with a purpose. And I think they're going to sell a ton of these because the Nissan Pathfinder was already improved from its station wagon previous self to a more crossover SUV-ish thing with the new 9-speed automatic transmission and a new design. But it was still missing something. And I think that this, this combo, may be enough to push it up and over some of its competitors. Well, I hope it pushes it up and over. It rocks better than the current one, but I think, I think it will. It will. I think it will. It's cool. They did a good job with it. Yeah. So what's next on the list? Well, uh, both. Uh, there's a lot of stuff coming from uh, Hyundai Kia. As you know, Hyundai Kia, related company, 
they have a bunch of components that are shared between these two vehicles, that being the Kia Telluride and the Hyundai Palisade. Both of them have had substantial visual upgrades externally, so they look very different. That's including this Kia Telluride that we have right here on the screen next to us, for those of you who can see it. Um, they also, Kia has for the Telluride a new X Pro kind of off-roady thing, which is similar to what Rock Creek is with Nissan, but not quite as deep. And um, is it sand beige? Well, is it rock actually, gray? Actually, they do have some pastel. <laughs> okay, colors. there yeah, we go. Um, so it has a more rugged. It's a more rugged trim, and it basically gives you some fairly beefy um, continental all-terrain mud terrain tires on 18-inch wheels. Um, at least they're not fake-looking bead locks. It, it does guess. look quite good, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I've all, the, well, the Telluride is one of the best-looking vehicles in its class. This, like, this is the upgrade to it. Chin thing they did with yeah. this like bar that goes across the front of it. No mention whether or not this or even the Nissan has a better approach angle. I really hope they do because they need it. Probably not because the whole thing with the chin spoilers for better fuel mileage. By, by the way, both these vehicles that I was mentioning and also the Hyundai Palisade all had the same powertrains as they did before. Hmm. So really what you're looking at are a lot of tech upgrades, ton of tech upgrades with the Telluride and the uh, Palisade. Both of them have all new infotainment setups. The Check it out, the Palisade? Yeah. The third row, I believe it's an option, but you can get a third row heated seat. Very interesting. And the wow. interior in the Palisade is Gorgeous. remarkably, remarkably, oh, it's almost a, it, it, it's at the point where it's like, is this a Genesis or not? Because it's so close. It looks like a Genesis on the inside. Now, one thing I will say, which has been kind of an interesting trend. So we've seen like um, launches of these more off-roady yeah. oriented crossovers. Which before. I'm thrilled to see. Pretty cool. Now, when they first started coming out, they the, the tires they used were like one tick above like an all season. Yeah, so and can, I, Honda is definitely a proprietor of that. Well, system. Honda went even less than that. They, they gave it the sidewall of an all-terrain, but the tread, tread block of an all season. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing which is starting to happen is now that companies have started um, competing with each other to make theirs look more and more aggressive, we are seeing more and more aggressive tires. So while this, at one point, you know, may have had like an all season on it, now we're getting like an all-terrain. Mm -hmm. That Nissan you just showed, I mean, that's that's a true all-terrain, right? Yes, it really is. So at what point are we going to get to, like, the Ford Edge now with Mickey Thompson's? Well, that's, I think, where we're going we're, we're to stop <laughs> soon. Because one of the things that you're looking at are uh, tires that are not as... Um, quiet. Quiet or efficient. as efficient. Right. I mean, I, I've talked to Toyota about this, right? Mm -hmm. Toyota actually builds an off-road truck with real lockers and real low-range and TRD Pro. Right. We just had it. Yes, we did. It was a terrible color. Um, <laughs> but uh, that green one. I loved it. Jeez. But that's an actual off-road truck with skid plates and a real low yeah, range. Yeah, yeah. And it had street tires, practically. Okay. They're, they're Kevlar. They're, they're Kevlar. They're, the sidewalls are decent. The grip is... pretty. Oh. The grip is pretty poor. Yeah, yeah. and we, we've worked with those tires several times in the well, past. Well, I've talked to Toyota, and I said, so why doesn't this off-road truck have off-road tires? And mm -hmm. I'm like, well, first of all, you nerd, it does have off-road tires. I'm like, mm. Mm -hmm. All right. But anyways, they go back to sound on the inside yeah. and fuel economy, right? Because yeah. Toyota looks at all the other tires, they well, and look at cost. But they look at the other tires, and they see what's on the market, and they said that's the best balance of... Um, efficiency and, and sound and on-road dynamics. And that is a proper off-road truck on what is essentially a beefed-up all-season. What is it going to be like when you're driving a Nissan, a Pathfinder, which is a three-row family hauler, on, I don't know, mud terrains? It's an interesting question. You have a good point there. And I, it, it, you know what I struggle with? What? You mentioned something very interesting with that. Um, Toyota also has the Toyota 4Runner. Right. Right. And the Toyota 4Runner, which is related loosely to the, uh, the uh, to its um, uh, Tacoma, it has an option for really hardcore off-road tires by comparison. Much better tires. You mm. can get them on the 4Runner. You cannot get them on the um, Tacoma. And I don't understand why nobody's ever explained that to me. Because the 4Runner gets crap mileage. <laughs> and it has, it makes a lot of noise in the cockpit. Yes. So I don't really understand this whole thing about, well, it's required and for better, you know, I don't know about that. So I have a feeling it all comes down to money. Um, and also efficiency, because at the end of the day, their cafe numbers and everything else have to relate to a certain number. Mm -hmm. If they put a beefier tire on there, which will make it way better off-road, 
it will, I guarantee you, detract from its overall MPG, which isn't great to begin with. Right. I was averaging, at best, around 20, and usually closer to 18 miles per gallon, coming up and over the hill from Denver to Moab. You so, really like that lime green. I love that lime green. Really? Yeah, I love that green. It's stellar. It's awesome. I, almost every green looks good to me. Well, so Toyota does a special edition color on, the, on you know, every year there's a different TRD Pro color, which yeah. is specific to the Pro, typically. And they have, like, uh, Lunar Rock, right? Yeah. They've got this bright orange. they got the Arby green. Yeah, they're they all great. any color they want, and they said, you know what? Let's, let's model it off of a highlighter. All right, so tell me, you know, one of the problems is, is that when you had your eyes recently fixed, you did not have them fixed correctly <laughs> because you do not see the joy of having really bright greens in well, your life. Well, why not like a yellow? A yellow is a good color. Yeah, and they should do yellow. I agree. Well, well then do that. Why not do but stoplight green? But you're beginning green. to sound like a Wrangler lover. Well. Because Wranglers do offer them in yellow. Oh, oh yes. Man. This is a correlation oh, causation. I only I bring like it back to uh, It all comes back all right. to Wrangler. All right. Okay, what else did we see out okay. of New York? So one of the, uh, no, guys, I know, I know, I know. There's a lot of Korean cars. Tell you what, what we're going to do is we're going to jump to an Italian car, and then we'll finish with, with a Korean car. How okay. about that? Alfa Romeo Tonali, or as you said, Tonail. Well, how do you spell it? T-O-N. A L I, I, isn't it an E? Uh, I put an I there so I would <laughs> pronounce like, it right. <laughs> I think it's T O N. Yeah, it is T O N A L E. That's in the Italian, and so you're, 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 you're the problem is is that you're not thinking Latin. Well, um, have, they so, met, have they met Americans? <laughs> have they have they seen how we pronounce words? Remember when the Kashai came out? Uh, yes. Um, uh, what are they thinking? <laughs> okay. So for those of you who are wondering, the Alfa Romeo Tonali, yeah. uh, it's smaller than the Stelvio. It is, I think, a very sharp look, by the way. The one that Andre um, highlighted was in green. Oh, a God. really bright green. Which was is it the beautiful. highlighter green? I'm good with green, but like, give it. a... Oh no, this is a darker green. Mm-hmm. Now this is a green. That, that's that's a wonderful. Alfa Romeo knows how to do a. No, no, they know how to do green. That's a green. Um, anyway, so this is a really interesting vehicle because it's Alfa Romeo's first step into building, among other things, a hybrid PHEV for the uh, U.S. Um, buyer. But on top of that, they also have a regular two-liter um, four-cylinder turbo. So let's talk about the specs and let's talk about what this vehicle is because some of these numbers are pretty impressive and I think it looks like a million bucks. I love the way. I love Alfa Romeo design. I love Italian design. It's a weakness. No, I've never owned... No, that's not true. Actually, I did have a GTV6 that I blew up after six weeks. Oh, that's what they do, actually. That was a that was an advertised feature. Oh, yeah. So I'm looking at the look, and then mm-hmm. we'll go to the specs. The yes. front is gorgeous. Yes. The rear is incredible. Yeah. They kind of forgot to design the middle. <laughs> well, you, you can only do so much with a crossover, can't you? <laughs> it's kind of... But it's rear drive bias. Is it? Well, it's to a certain degree. Um, so let's talk... First of all, uh, base engine is a two-liter four-cylinder turbo that makes 256 horsepower. Yes. Um, it is... The, it's their starter. I do not know how much it's going to cost. I'm guessing probably probably in the high 40s. That's my guess. Uh, then, and the most <sighs> impressive part, is their hybrid PHEV. That puts out 272 horsepower. It has a 15-kilowatt-hour battery pack in it, which is actually a fairly good size. And it is, according to them, just ridiculously powerful because, now here's the number. Ready, guys? Yeah. And Tommy and I have already gone over this more than once. Yes. According to them, the way they do their math, right. up to 1,844 pounds of torque can be directed to the rear wheels because there is a 90 kilowatt hour direct drive Rear motor. Yeah, we need to redo that math, Alfa Romeo. That's yeah, a little. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds a little optimistic, but maybe, you know, the, the torque numbers I'm measuring, perhaps it has to do with, I don't know. Well, let's talk about the real numbers. So, yeah. what they do, and Hummer did this too, right? Where mm-hmm. they're measuring it differently than like the way everybody else measures it, and they measure it at the wheel, um, and it's got, oh, the new Hummer EV has 28,000 pound feet of torque. Right, right. But if you look at like my Wrangler, if I put my Wrangler in a first gear low range, I can get like 4,000 pound-feet of torque at it at the wheels, right? Because I'm in low range in first gear and I can, you know, it's it's math or something or and, physics. And you brought it back to Wrangler yet again. Well, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I promise they're not paying me anything. It's just it's popular <laughs> on the channel. 
But my point is, that thing will, will struggle to do 80 miles an hour up a hill. But according to this one metric, it's got 4,000 pound-feet of torque. Now, the real number is a 2-liter makes 256 and 295 pound-feet of torque. And right. then the optional plug-in hybrid with the little baby four-cylinder makes 272 horsepower. And my question to you is, where is the V8? Where is the V6 twin turbo? Where is the excitement? Well, where is the excitement truly is where a lot of people are going with that question because those engines are disappearing, displacement's disappearing, I know, and it's being replaced with electricity. Now, bear in mind, this has over 30 miles of all-electric range, which is actually good. really good. Pretty good. Um, they don't have the actual numbers yet. We don't have actual pricing yet. Yes, it has the new Uconnect 5 system in it, 14.3-inch uh, TFT screen, 10.5-inch infotainment screen. Really pretty interior. Really, really cool looking the, the, vehicle. The paddle shifters are a little much. Have you seen the paddle shifters on it? They're like a foot tall on each side. Because it's sport. Well, it four cylinders. But four cylinder. Oh, Tommy, the, don't even start. The turbo on this thing is the side of your pinky finger. There was a three cylinder putting out 300 horsepower that you were freaking yeah, out about last week. Yeah, that's a week. good point. Yes. Uh -huh. Got called out on that one. Bingo! Nailed you there. And I didn't even mention yeah. Wrangler. Um, <laughs> so, it, it, as awesome as it is, and, and it really is a really cool car, it has a tiny gas tank, 12.1 gallons. I, I don't know if you're going to get a huge range with that. Well, uh, it better be very efficient. It better be super efficient, but it's looking like an interesting direction that they're going with Alfa Romeo, and they still are staying on sale in the United States, despite the fact that they really don't sell many. Yeah. That's a conversation for another day. I wanted to wrap up, though, with what I think are the most significant vehicles there. Yes, they're boring, but they are also very important for Kia, and that is their new Trio. Okay, what's the Trio? The Trio is the new Nero's. Oh, God, now the last viewer has just left. <laughs> I know. Nobody's watching, That's nobody's it. listening. The Kia Nero is now in a place where it's competing in, in, in a sort of a divided segment between an, straight against Toyota. So Toyota... Um, hybrids and PHEVs and electric vehicles, Kia now has an answer for almost everything that Toyota builds to a certain degree. Let's talk about their base model. Uh, so the Kia Nero comes in either a hybrid, a PHEV, or a full-on electric vehicle. Mm -hmm. All new. So it has a new cockpit. It has new components on the outside. It has a new, really unusual side wing. So if you look at the design and the photo on the side, you're going to see this uh, unusual rear pillar. Well, they forgot to paint the rear fender. Yeah, but that's actually not it. That is actually a separate wing. <laughs> what? Yeah, air passes through it. Okay, that is pretty cool, actually. Yeah, see? Look, the thing about the Nero is it's the best car that everybody should buy. And nobody will. But it's just, it doesn't, it's, it lacks <laughs> I, it, the excitement, you it, know? I think the name is wrong. I think that they, they kept trying to say it was an SUV or a crossover, and it really wasn't because it's never offered all-wheel drive. It still doesn't. But what it does have, the new one is the 1.6 liter, which bets a 139 horsepower, 195 pound-feet of torque, has a 32-kilowatt uh, electric motor, and it can get 53 MPG and a range, this is pretty impressive, 588-mile range. For a little kind of city uh, hatchback, which is really what it is. By the way, it has more room on the inside. That's impressive. The PHEV is even more impressive. Um, so you can plug it in. 180 horsepower, 195 pound-feet of torque, so more power at least. 11.1 kilowatt-hour battery means that you can go 33 miles on a charge using level 2 charging. That's impressive. And then finally, of course, the electric version. They all physically are the same, very little difference with the interior other than minor upgrades here and there, so you're not losing a lot. Even though you have a 64 kilowatt hour battery, 201 horsepower, and up to 253 mile range. Hmm. Um, so it's a little, oh, so the previous one was like 239, mm -hmm. so it's gotten a little range bump on the full electric. Yeah, but it's also a lot more roomy. One of the problems with the old Nero was it wasn't very roomy. This one is a lot more roomy. So this is based, um, yeah, this is, yeah, okay. Um, the, uh, oh, come on, what, what, are you, what are you angry about? Mm, come on! I'm just reading right now, it's not based on the new EGMP platform. No, 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 it's, it, it's, 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 a, it's not. Which, uh, is, so, which means it doesn't get the insane fast charging, which means it'll max out at 85 kilowatts of DC fast charging. Yeah, uh, so you can go from 10 to 80% uh, in 45 minutes um, on level 3. It's got to be, this is a cool car, I do love the looks, but it's got to be affordable. 
I think that's going to be what, I what would makes agree or with breaks you. it. So the base model Kia Nero currently starts at around twenty three, twenty four thousand dollars. The hybrid. A, yeah. yeah. So uh, and then realistically, you're going to go into the forties. I'm really hoping that they keep a lid on the price because that's what will make this car super competitive. Yes. So if we're like deep into the forties starting, I think it's going to have tr uh, troubles. But the design is very cool. Yeah. I like the interior a lot. It's got that cool new like two spoke steering wheel which Kia has been using. Yeah. Um, and, I, I mean, the thing about the Nero is it has always been a very affordable way to get great fuel economy reliably. Just a smart car, yeah. And that is what the new one's going to have to do. Um, so I'm really – I think I'm excited for it. I'm, I'm hoping that it's going to do well. I think it'll take it to the Prius. I think it'll take it to some of the other vehicles it competes against. Uh, and it, they may be able to make a value proposition. And one thing about Kia that's always been really good, Kia and Hyundai, mm -hmm. they give you a lot of content for the money. They give you a lot of content for the yeah. money. Now, have I told you about the new Wrangler? Let's talk about the new <laughs> Wrangler. What, no. so, what new Wrangler? No, there's no new Wrangler. Oh, um, but I did want to talk about, for our full-size SUV fans out there, Jeep revealed a longer version of the Grand Wagoneer. And Andre covered that ad nauseum. It's called the L. Yeah, it took him an hour to walk around the thing, actually. <laughs> it's so big. You know how big it is? Well, how big? It is actually longer in length than the Suburban. Yeah, that's too big. <laughs> it's an, almost exactly an inch longer. It's huge. That's too big. Yeah, and it looks ridiculous from the side because it looks like the tires and wheels are too small, even though they're not. It's just it's an unusual design. The wheelbase is actually shorter by a considerable amount than the Suburban. I think that if you look at a Suburban next to it, and I've actually done the pictures where I've superimposed the two, the Suburban looks a lot more um, elegant in terms of where the wheel placement is. This looks like they just added on that extra, what is it, 10 inches? It's some, yeah, I don't, so, look, here's the thing. Okay. Why don't they just paint the B pillars black and the C pillar? Like every other car manufacturer, they have to body color it. And then that just makes the windows look too small, which makes the belt line look too high, which makes the profile look too tall, and then it just looks like an airport van. Would you be happy if they made it the beige color, the hearing aid beige? Yes, like let's so just, you know what this needs? <laughs> if you're going to make it look a little funky like this, give it wood paneling! Oh, here we are. Why not? What is wrong with wood paneling? Here we go. I knew it was going to come at some point <laughs> in time. David Tracy, our buddy, rubbed off on you the wrong way. It would, and, it oh. would, be a, it would differentiate it from every other full-size SUV. Oh, look, what about this? It's what about, like, sustainable wood paneling? Oh, God. Like, organically grown, um, uh, loved and massaged bamboo on the side of it. Considering that this thing can come with a massive hemi, Yes, that is saying like, sustainable mm. is really funny throwing that in there too. So that just that works so well. Why, why not have bamboo? Do interior? you like the look of this thing? I like its smaller brother a lot better. That's for sure. I do not like the way the we the way the the profile sits. It looks unbalanced to me. I know you guys have yelled at me before for saying that about the Grand Cherokee L, but this I will say it again. It doesn't look like it's really meant for off roading. No, no. Jeep says it's not a Jeep. Well, yeah. Yeah, they do. They say it's not a Jeep. And I didn't want to pester uh, some of the Jeep people that were hanging out with us when we were having dinner at Moab because Tommy was too busy throwing toaster questions at them. Was, you were totally doing that. It was one toaster question. It was No, it was more than one person. Anyway, <laughs> it was pretty damn funny. That's a whole different story. That's a different podcast in itself. Uh, but the point is, is that during that time, I could kind of tell that there was a little bit of resistance deep in the ranks about this because it really was moving to a completely different direction. This is a truck, it's not a car. And it is a truck that now is extremely long, extremely huge, and now, fortunately, has a new powertrain that's available. Yeah, what is that? Hurricane, the it rocks you like one. Twin turbo. Well, there, and there's two different ones. Uh, maybe three. Well, it depends there's on the high output. There's like an application thing, yeah. I think the one in the Jeep is 510 horsepower. Does that sound right? Sounds the, about available right. three liter Hurricane Twin Turbo 510 i6. I think it's 510. Mm -hmm. uh, and then of course you can get the the big V8. That is cool. I do think that is cool. I think that's very cool. And also that Hurricane is an exceptional engine if it is as good as they say, because yeah, it can also be hooked up to a hybrid powertrain. They need, they need to get over this not a Jeep thing. I agree. I do because, not understand well, this. Well, we did a walk around, and we kept finding little Jeep tags all throughout the thing. I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to say, this is an upmarket vehicle. It'll be its own thing, and it's the American answer 
to a Range Rover. And I would agree, at least with the interior, they did it. They well, answered it directly. Well, when you have the current Grand Wagoneer starting at 107 in Series I mean, 3, right? Just ridiculous. What they're thinking is that people aren't going to pay 107000 for a Jeep, but they would for a Grand Wagoneer. That's ridiculous. But people don't, yeah, it's just it's confusing. Just call it a Jeep Grand Wagoneer because yes. you already have the cachet in the name Jeep. You haven't ruined it with something like, oh, I don't know, a uh, Compass or it's something a, like that in the past. It's a good, it's, I mean, it's a good name. It's a, got a brand with a big following. Exactly. It's got a huge following. And then, for God's sakes, at the next Easter Jeep Safari, put 40s on this thing, lift it up, and <laughs> bring it out. We were so frustrated that we didn't see one of those. That was probably my biggest issue. And, and I didn't want to bother the guys once again because I was going to go up to Mark Allen. They listen to this. You know that. They're, they're, there's actually a few of them that listen to this podcast. Well, not now because you talked about the Key Nero yeah. and they've all turned out. They, they all turn out. But if they did come back, Mark, I love you. But you need to do that. Bring it out. And, you know, if they argue and say, well, wait a minute. It's not a Jeep. Say, listen, a long time ago during Easter Jeep, you guys also brought Rams. So this is sort of like instead of bringing a Ram to an event, yeah. we're going to bring a non-Jeep to the event, and it happens to have Jeep labeling all over it. We're going to put big tires on it, put wood paneling on it so Tommy's happy that's sustainable, and <laughs> put a supercharged Hellcat in there so it's no longer sustainable. And whatever, paint, paint the B and C pillars black if you wouldn't mind. Okay, so there you go, and that's what we really do demand for the next Easter Jeep Safari. Thank so you. I am very excited about this Hurricane I six. I am about, too. About time we get. Some it should turtles. go in everything just like they've done before. And it might. It very well might. Well, it's from what I am under. This is what I've heard. Now nobody's confirmed this. The packaging and the way they've developed this, it should be able to go into almost anything that is currently being built by Stellantis that is front engine rear drive. So Renegade. No, wait. Not Renegade. <laughs> but why not Wrangler? Uh, you, we, why? I not? thought we couldn't say Wrangler anymore in this okay, podcast. Okay. Why not Gladiator? Gladiator. That would be a perfect that vehicle be cool. for it. That's way too heavy and it needs it. Oh, can you imagine that with a manual? <laughs> Yeah, it's never going to happen. Now, um, not a big fan of the design in this. I do like that engine. And I do want to finish this podcast with the toaster discussion. Okay, here we go. This is very important. Please do. Because I was at this dinner with Jeep talking to... By the way, can can I interrupt you before you start? I hate hate interrupting you. Yes. I am not against the toaster discussion. It's just that it came out of nowhere. Well, it's important. But it's but so logical too. That's I'm, I'm backing you on yes. this. I'm backing you. This is hardcore journalism at its best. Okay. Investigative journalism. Because I was sitting down with some of the designers for Jeep, Mopar, and even Ram, right? Yeah. And we were we were having conversation and I kind of I perfectly circled into it. I think <laughs> I I didn't come out of nowhere with yes, it. You did. And I asked one of the big cheese designers at Stellantis, I said, What does your toaster look like? Because haven't you always wondered? Typically, designers are very well dressed people. Mm, and, and, he is. and this gentleman I was talking to, very well dressed. Right? Best hair out there. Best hair out there because they have a good sense of design. Yeah. Um, and um, this was actually, he's now the head of Ram Trucks and Mopar Design. So, mm. like, pretty important job. Yeah, yeah. So, I asked him, I said, What does your toaster look like? Because I wondered if design with vehicles translates to design of toasters as well. Does everything in a designer's life need to be um, aesthetically pleasing? The you know what he said? No ahead. toaster. Yes, but what it gets better. What in the heck? But this is where Tommy's interesting uh, conversation got even more interesting. Yes. Because then you switched gears, uh-huh. and he said, well, what about your coffee maker? Perfectly switched gears. And he laughed. Uh-huh. And he said, my coffee maker looks awesome. Yes. Now, those were his words, and he because he, he knew it. And I kept thinking, did you get one that's like Bauhaus design? Did you get one like a <laughs> steampunk design coffee maker? And he was laughing. He said, yes, my coffee maker, part of the reason I got it is because it looks awesome. And it's like, holy cow, Tommy, despite the fact you came out of the blue with this, because he almost choked when you threw the question out of him. Yeah, because he of knew, he knew he had, didn't have an answer for him. Oh, if he had gone out like a true designer and bought a good looking toaster, we'd mm. be in a good situation, but he did not have a toaster. How do you not have a toaster? Ladies How do you toast things? Ladies and gentlemen, I am now announcing the new design of TFL Toaster, which will be available <laughs> amongst our swag. Well, you would know. How did you toast things in the 1940s? There must have been a way. Well, you toasters. ask your dad about the 1940s, okay. maybe <laughs> the 1950s. Actually, older toasters looked really cool. They had cool. They looked like a cool, you know, streamlined design. Modern toasters look like crap. I mean, mine is like an oven, and it's terrible. It's just boring as well, hell. Well, that's because you're not a designer. 
If you were a designer, I'd expect you to have a sleek six-slot toaster with... But I am a writer, so I do have an idea of mental aesthetic. As such, <laughs> I should have thought better. But then again, I couldn't argue with my wife because I wanted something that, I don't know, had Black and Decker written on it. That would have been cool. But he, he did agree with me, though. He said it was an interesting conversation. It is an interesting conversation, but you should go Coffee Maker. Open with Coffee Maker next yeah, time. Yeah, Coffee Maker. No, no. it's because you don't drink coffee. Yeah, it's too mainstream. Oh, listen to you. The toaster is, I think there's opportunity in the market for a damn sleek toaster. For the, the last person who's remaining listening to this podcast. I fell asleep, viewing, actually. Okay. It's just playing For the, the last person there, I am curious to your perspective. Honestly, um, you know, if you're a designer or if you're someone who's into design or artwork, perhaps, what does your toaster look like? Or what does some of your appliances look like? Yeah. Did you get them based on aesthetics? Great question. Or did you get them based on logic? So which way do you go? Because I think that that actually is a smart question. Just don't do it in the middle of dinner where the head of design might choke and then drop, <laughs> and then you're the one to blame for it. Because I kept thinking, Tommy is going to kill the guy. Yeah, but then I can paint the B-pillar and C-pillar on the new Grand Wagoneer <laughs> Black. Then he can make sure... You will put fake wood on the side of this vehicle. <laughs> It'll be sustainable. Uh, yeah, that's going to happen. Well, guys, if you want to hear your questions about toasters, marriage questions, all oh, of it. God, you had to go back to the marriage. Hey, uh, it's important. Okay. It's important. And I think you gave some stellar advice this morning. Thank you so much. Okay, it's all about that. Yeah, so guys, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you have a wonderful week. Yes, and as always, check out alltfl.com. Switching up the name a little on you. But all TFL is your one-stop shop for all of our channels, websites, articles, TikTok in one spot. So that's A-L-L-T-F-L? A-L-L-T-F-L. When you say it like that, it sounds pretty confusing. No, I just wanted to make sure I got it because we actually got that from somebody else. All TFL, yes. We sure did. Yep. And we'll tell you about that on the next podcast. It, it, it wasn't stolen. We made that no, sound no, no, like... No, 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 no. Oh, yeah, there choice. was a poor sucker that yeah, just... Someone was talking about it in a drunken <laughs> stupor, and we said, oh, that's our name now. No, it was, it was given to us and not under duress, but we'll see you on the next <laughs> podcast. Thanks see for listening. See you guys. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.